Good morning. Oh, so good to be here. I'm loving all of the decorations. Thank you to those people who made all this possible. By the way, they aren't church gnomes. You know, we all just things happen in church. You don't really know who 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 does it. But these are flesh and blood people. So thank you. You know, that's usually how we get things done around here. Flesh and blood people who choose to step up and get things done. So thank you. Um, I did also want to re. Uh, um, restate the fact that we're having a really cool event coming up next Sunday night. So the chosen event is going to be a lot of fun. Um, if you don't, you've probably heard me talk about this series, but it's just really good. So I encourage you to watch it on your own if you can. But this is going to be a great way to kind of usher in our season. Bring the whole family, buy a couple extra tickets, invite some of your neighbors. Uh, even if they don't come, just give it to them and say, hey, I expect to see you there. Well, I think it'll be a really great moment for you, uh, for all of us here. So I hope that you can make time to come. I hope your Thanksgiving holiday was good. It's good to see some people visiting. Good to see y'all. I love it when families come home, and I hope that it was memorable for you for all the right reasons. You know, sometimes things are memorable for the wrong reasons, so I hope that uh, Thanksgiving was good. I don't know what y'all like to do for fun. Maybe, um, you know, eat. I guess that's for fun, too. But uh, hunting, camping, you know, our family, we like to do puzzles. Puzzles are fun. They provide space for conversation and a lot of frustration. Just kind of get it all out at once. Um, personally, I like to watch movies whenever it's kind of vacation. Uh, you know, I, my wife doesn't like the movies that I like. I like sci-fi, but I really am drawn to like these post-apocalyptic movies. Y'all ever drawn? You like those? You know, whenever something really goes wrong, you don't really know exactly what it is, but you see the fallout. And you see how everybody kind of has to um, you cope with that world-altering event. I like to put myself in the situation and think, could I do it? You know, by the way, I already have a plan. If the zombies do come, I know which people's houses I'm going to. Because you guys are stocked. And I don't know if you're preppers, but y'all are ready. But it's, you know, to put yourself in that situation to think, how would I fare at the end of the world? Could I survive? Do I have any fingerless gloves, you know? Every post-apocalyptic movie has fingerless gloves. If you haven't noticed it, it'll drive you crazy from here on out. Um, something my wife noticed, and now I can't not see it. Uh, the thing that really always draws me to these movies, though, is the fact that regardless of what it is, the one thing that all these movies lack is any real sense of hope. You know, uh, it's granted, you have one person who tries to save the world, right? But but all their hope really is, is just to survive. Their hope is just to survive. I mean, thankfully, you know, I see these films through a different lens. I see them through the lens of, of Jesus and the fact that he has come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly, full life, not just survival. I mean, in some of these movies, survival isn't all that appealing. You have to live like they're living. The apocalypse is not something we talk about a lot in casual conversation. At the water cooler, you know, Starbucks, hey, what do you think about the end of the world? We don't talk about that stuff anymore. Um, probably because the topic seems a little bit heavy, a little bit foreboding, doesn't really seem that uplifting to many of us. And the whole idea has been turned into this whole slew of bad movies and, and worse outcomes. But today, I want to do something different, something I've never done before. So bear with me, please. 
I'd like to begin our Christmas season, our season, our holy season, really. In some, some instances, you say, well, every, every season's holy. Why are you focusing on this season as holy? Well, the world is going to be focused on the story, whether they believe it or not. They're going to be surrounded and focused on the story of Jesus. And so I want to begin with a passage that we don't often preach from, a passage you probably haven't heard preached uh, from your church in a while. Uh, and it's Luke chapter 21. This is a passage about the end times spoken uh, by Jesus himself. Uh, but his words, his words are not devoid of hope. And, and I'm taking a risk, so you got to bear with me. But I'm going to speak about the apocalypse for a minute, for just a minute as we begin our Christmas season. How do you like that? It's going to be interesting. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21, please. That's where we're going to begin. Uh, but... As I said, the words that Jesus speaks here, even though they're heavy, they are not devoid of hope. In fact, what Jesus does here is, is he talks about how we could expect hope. You know, Advent is this word, it's this Latin word, and that simply just means arrival. And we are beginning the season of expectation uh, with, you know, considering and thinking about the arrival of Christ as a child. Today we're going to be talking about the second coming of Christ. Uh, I've never begun a series like this uh, with this text, so please bear with me. But before I do begin, I want to ask you to pray for me that God's word is clear, because I do think that there is something for you today in the words that Jesus has spoken. Uh, so let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for today. Lord, as we prepare our lives, as we prepare our houses even for the coming Christmas season, Lord, we also are preparing our hearts for the returning of Christ. Lord, I know you came once for your people, and Lord, I know you're going to come again. So as we uh, enter into this season, as we decorate and celebrate, Lord, we do so to mark this memory of your plan redeem us, to redeem our lives, to redeem our broken world. And Lord, today we are eager and we anticipate hearing from you as we wrestle with your word, as we seek to draw closer to you. Thank you for bringing us into safety, into this beginning of a brand new day. And Lord, please keep us from temptation today. Deliver us from evil. And in all we do, Lord, I pray that you would direct us, direct us to fulfill your purpose through Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. All right, let's begin with reading Luke chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 25, and we're going to read all the way to verse 36. Uh, here we go. Uh, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God 
his meals. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. The Word of the Lord. Now, at first glance, these words seem a little overwhelming, a little terrifying even, almost too much to really handle, too much for some of us to even imagine, really. And if you look at the whole chapter, it starts off really well. The chapter starts off by Jesus looking at this little widow woman, giving everything she has. And he says, now I've seen, hardly have I ever seen that much faith. Look at their faith. And then it gets a little dark. Talks about nations rising against nations, about earthquakes, about famines, pestilence, persecution, rejection, prison, betrayal by those people closest to us, even our own family. Talks about war and death. It's quite, quite shocking. It's quite a, a detour from Jesus' usual conversations. And for us, how do we receive these words? especially since we are fortunate enough to, to, to live in a kingdom where we don't have to worry that much about outside invaders coming in to ravage us and to kill us and to enslave us all. We, we're, we're relatively safe. But how do we approach the thought of the end times or an apocalyptic event? Now, for many of us, it's probably a little bit hard to take in, really. You know, it sure does make for some good TV, though. Maybe it's not something we like to give attention to because we've been kind of numbed by the overwhelming comforts of our everyday life. And I do wonder how our desire for comfort compares to our desire to see Christ return. When I read this selection of scripture, I sense that Jesus is speaking in a somber, yet very plain tone. He knows that this imagery could label him as mad, because it's hard to hear. Because the image that he's painting in this particular section of scripture are what precedes the arrival of the Son of Man. By the way, the Son of Man is a phrase packed with meaning, and I would love to go into it, but we, don't, we just don't have time. The Son of Man has been used for quite some time. You heard about it in Daniel chapter 7, which is another apocalyptic chapter, very difficult. But this arrival that he's talking about is, is preceded by natural calamities. The sea is roaring, and the heavenly bodies are shaken. Even to Jesus' particular audience, this would probably have been hard to imagine for them. But God had been warning his people about the end time for quite some time. His prophets, they may have seemed mad back then as well because, well, they stayed true to the word of God, but all of the things that they said were during times of relative prosperity. So listen to two of the warnings that 
prophets of God gave. These are just two out of the many. Uh, the first one is Isaiah 13, 6 through 8. Uh, he says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Because of this, all hands will go limp. Every heart will melt with fear. Terror will seize them. Pain and anguish will grip them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look against each other. Their faces aflame. Here's one from Joel, chapter 2. It says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Again, these words were spoken during relative times of peace and comfort. When you read these texts, are you thinking, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays? They don't bring visions of city sidewalks, busy sidewalks. They don't bring that vision to you. They're dark visions. They're, they're signs and signals that could create anxiety and fear. And so is this a conversation we need around Christmas? Now, you may not have known this, but over 100 years ago, our particular faith tradition, the Churches of Christ, we were very much into apocalyptic conversations. That was a very normal part of, of that everyday conversation. In churches, they always talked about that. Um, it's much more common to talk about Revelation, all the whole book, not just up to chapter 3, even past chapter 3. It's much, m- much more common to talk about Daniel chapter 7. Even though we may not have fully understood it, we talked about it. But with the rise of modern conveniences, I believe, and comfort, the end times seemed more like a downer than anything else. It seemed more like, oh, it was just a distraction. And I remember when I was younger, I, was, I spent a lot of time thinking about the end. You know, I was, I was, I was really focused on it, especially the, the school that I went to. If you asked your professor about it, you know, it would get you out of doing anything else. Hey, what do you think about the end times? And that's what we'd talk about. And I had it all figured out, I thought. And I do remember whenever I was younger, I would say, you know, I really am ready for God to come back, but I'd just like to graduate high school first. I'm really ready, but I'm, college is really cool. Let me just go to college for a little bit. You know, I'm really ready, but man, I'd really like to get married. I'm ready for God to come back, but just let me have my first child. And by the time your child is 13, you're like, yes, God, please come back. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Liv and Liam. I love y'all. Y'all were awesome. Y'all were awesome. But my question is, have I just kind of been kind of pushing it off? Or am I really ready and expecting Christ to come back? Am I ready for him to come quickly, to return? Have I been looking for it? Have I been praying for Christ to return? And how have I been preparing and living my life with a sense of expectation. I guess the earlier question, are we really even paying attention to that? We're just living like it's something that's in the back of our minds, but uh, that may happen one day. Now, some people are living in expectation. Of course, some people, they're living in expectation because they found themselves in a very desperate situation, so they're praying, Lord, come quickly. Some have found themselves in places that can only be made better by Christ's return. But for the rest of us, do we really want him to return just yet? Or are we good? 
Now, we can look at those people who've messed up their lives. We can say with a fair amount of pity and compassion and sympathy, we can say, well, they've drawn the short straw. They've made some bad choices. Only God will be able to fix them. Well, here's the truth. We've all drawn the short straw. We've all made some bad choices. Some more bad than others. Is badder a word, maybe? We've all failed, and not in that, well, I failed trying to succeed sort of way. No, we failed. We have done some things, we've said some things, we've made some choices that have been devastating to us and to other people. We've rewired our brains doing some things, and we're having to live with the scars of our past. We've wounded others, and these are parts of our lives that we'll never be able to fix and make perfect. We can only hope to make them just a little bit better. A line in a TV show that I just watched sums up family, because usually family is what everything's supposed to be just great, right? Usually that's where we make the most mistakes. And so she, she, she sums up family, and she says this. This is what family is. It's a collection of people we owe an apology to. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I mean, even at our best, we aren't good enough to be perfect. The only one who could fix us, who can fix us, is God himself. And that is the heart of the truth. And what I love is that God has already started this process, this plan of fixing us, making us better, saving us, redeeming us. This is the point of everything here, isn't it? Redemption. Finding a way to be, to be able to be seen and, and loved for who we are. Have all of our past wiped away. Not have to worry about all the things we've really messed up on. Wouldn't, isn't that the point? God will hopefully one day redeem us all. And we all need it from the least to the greatest. We all need redemption. And it's been God's mission since the very beginning. He's been fighting for our hearts. He's been fighting for our souls and our minds. But you know who else is fighting? The, the, the evil one. He's fighting for our heart, hearts and our souls and our minds too. He's prowling around looking for people he can devour. And he's doing a pretty good job of it. So God, he creates this plan that's been in the works for quite some time. And he's not going to force us to believe in it. He's not going to force us to choose it. His plan, however, is being implemented slowly, majestically. The end goal, redemption for all mankind. Because God so loves the world. And the redemption has come at a great price. But God is going to enact this plan. It's already, it's already really in the works. It's pretty much done. But his plan is being enacted with power and glory and majesty and spectacle. The seas will roar. The, s the Son of Man will return in a cloud with power and great glory. And then Jesus warns us of this. And in verse 28, though, right after he says, uh, describes what this, this seed is going to look, look like, what, it, what does he tell us to do? He says, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. I mean, what do people usually do in an apocalyptic movie? They run. They hide. They gather together. Or they fight. 
mindlessly. But Jesus tells us to stand. When things get to be their worst, lift up your head. Expect hope and be ready because redemption is near. Salvation is near. He tells us to expect it, not to shrink away, but to be watchful. Look at the signs. Know that the evil one is fighting too. He wants you for himself and he's not going to go down that easily. But he will be defeated. You just resist the devil, he's going to flee from you. He will be defeated ultimately. So be hopeful. Expect redemption. Because God's coming again. There's so much about this passage that I'd like to unpack. Is this, you know, specific for that time and place? Is it also prophecy for what's to come? There's so many things I'd like to talk about, but we don't have enough time. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to simply going to encourage you to ask yourself, are you ready for the return of Christ? I mean, we're getting ready for this great moment. It's a day where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Are we even getting ready for that? Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself to be expectant that Christ will return? I want you to think seriously about how you are preparing your heart, how you're preparing your minds and souls for this season of expectation. Are you making room for hope? Or are you already full? Too much anxiety. You've just given yourself over to frustration, sadness, distraction. Don't fear. Lift up your head. Stand up. Don't dwell on those things, those, those fear-mongering headlines. Don't, don't dwell on the gloom and doom that they're trying to sell you on, on news television. It is a business. It's a business. The more gloom, the more doom, the more ratings. FYI. That's, I learned that the hard way. Stand up. Lift up your head. There's enough anxiety to go around. Be watchful and expect hope. I love this, uh, this quote. It's from this theologian named Jürgen Moltmann. And this is what he says. He says, hope for the Christian is not an opium of the beyond. Meaning, it's not just something we dream about so we can go somewhere far off after we die. It's not just for that. But hope, it's the divine power of God that makes us alive in this world. The Holy Spirit is full of hope. So we can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not faint. Hope allows us to fearlessly see the signs as proof that our redemption is near. Salvation is near. And it's not anything we do. We just believe and trust. God's doing the heavy lifting. He's doing the work. His plan all along was His plan. His promise that He's keeping. How many times have we broken our promise? God's keeping His promise. Our redemption 
who's drawing near. But if you aren't expectant, I need you to ask yourself also, why? Have you given in to hopelessness? Then ask yourself, why? Maybe it's time you lay some things aside. Maybe it's time you put your hope in something that's real, something that is eternal. And today, I'm just going to encourage you, allow God to give you hope. Ask for it. If you ask for hope, what do you think God's going to give you? A stone? A snake? Ask for hope. He'll give it to you. I mean, even, even, even you, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So how much more will God give good gifts to you when you ask Him? Ask Him for hope. He wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be perfect. He wants everyone to be redeemed and perfect. You know why? Because God so loves the world. And He's coming back. So let's expect it. Could we live in expectation? Not fear, but expectation. God's coming back, and it's going to be good. Like the song we sang right before this, every knee will bow before Him. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow. And then all of a sudden, people will look at us and they'll say, wow, you were right. I know! I've staked my life on it. I want us all to stand together. Um, the team's going to come on. I want you to expect hope today. And if you don't know hope, I'm going to encourage you. Come find me. I will introduce you to the one who can give you hope. Briley found hope. You can too. The water is really warm, and it is nice today, by the way. So there's nothing keeping you from it. And I want to point our attention to this moment, this event that allowed us to have this hope. I want us to stand today expectantly. As we sing, I want us to lift our heads. Because we are here to remind the world that God's plan began with the cry of an innocent child born into a very fragile family. And believe it or not, it was a plan that had begun to save us all. If you believe, will you believe? Let's sing today and do not leave this place without making some sort of response, without talking to God in this next few moments. Let's sing.